1: this is amber and ian not freddie and fitzsimmons <laughs> don't mess it up tonight ian not joe and amber but in fact amber and ian we are kicking off a new era here at espn radio
2: that was a great shot at what i did on friday when i was hosting the morning show and <laughs> a rare driving experience i i haven't driven a show i'll tell maybe one time in three months and so i'm driving on the morning show on on Friday. And the next thing you know, I I guess I reset Freddie and Fitzsimmons. So you've heard about it. It was a moronic move on my part. I am not a very smart man. And so, yes, uh, I I will do my best to actually get this one right as I screwed that one up just a couple days
1: ago. And that's why Ian will not be driving this show. That is why you heard my voice first here on Amber and Ian. What you also heard first... Was the sweet sounds of Jimmy Buffett. Are you a Jimmy Buffett guy? Because I'm such a Florida girl. Jimmy Buffett defined my childhood.
2: Yeah, growing up on a horse farm in Louisiana, uh, in Folsom, Louisiana, my mom was all outlaw country. You know, Waylon Mm -hmm. Willie, Merle Haggard, uh, you know, Chris Christopherson, going down the list. You know, the great uh, Jerry Jeff Walker. But, man, we were introduced to Buffett probably when I was around eight, nine years old. So around 80, 81 Somewhere in there, roughly. Um, and then, yeah, just, I mean, I just got, we all got addicted to it because he was that hybrid, right? I think he was that first hybrid rockabilly slash country type sound. And he was an innovator to the point where Elton John wanted to play with him and Paul McCartney and, and all these legendary musicians. Uh, so, yeah, on Friday, I was in your home state, again, uh, getting, getting ready for LSU Florida State when the news came down. We were ac- actually at a production meeting on Friday and we said to hell with it. We all just started talking about. Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett. Buffett.
1: Yeah, I was actually on Friday. Uh, it was sort of poetic. We had taken our boat down uh, because, again, Florida life, y'all. So we had taken our boat down one? to Cabbage Key. <laughs> Our smaller one.
3: We had taken our I, 20- I hold on a minute. Wait, we our
1: twenty four foot copia down to Cabbage Keep Key. Moving on. Which is an <laughs> island, if you aren't familiar <laughs> with with west southwest Florida. It's an island off the coast of Fort Myers that you can only get to by boat. And there is a little inn on the island with a restaurant in it. Real casual open air sells amazing cheeseburgers and allegedly allegedly that that's is where it what, that is what jimmy buffett wrote cheeseburgers in paradise is about cabbage key florida and so we were actually on cabbage key for lunch we were eating cheeseburgers all of us me my husband and my kid and then the news broke like 2 hours later that jimmy oh, buffett no, passed away and that way. was yeah so that's where i spent the day that i found out that jimmy buffett had died jimmy buffett was for me, my child, the soundtrack of my childhood, because my parents loved Jimmy Buffett. And so, yeah, absolute Parrot Heads. My brother became a big Parrot Head and his wife traveled to war. They even went to Ireland to see him in concert. I've been doing Jimmy Buffett concert. Thank goodness. I'm so glad that I checked that off my bucket list. But I know so many of those words, including the one that Rachel just played on the intro by heart.
2: And she's a she's a parrot head also. Uh, So you're going to hear a lot of uh, Jimmy Buffett, the great late grade Jimmy Buffett tonight. And you're right.
1: He's the first that did that. Like Zach Brown band has emulated it now. And, you know, you have Kenny Chesney is a very big one like that. They were tight. Coastal country. Yeah. Yeah. And they did some stuff together. He was really the first that kind of, I think, blazed the path for that genre. So
2: think about this also. Because this guy, I didn't know this until Friday night, right? When at, we said to, again, we're just going to eat and we'll do production stuff tomorrow. Because um, everyone has a Jimmy Buffett story, at least mm-hmm. with with the crew that we were with. Uh, you know, John and our producer, Kelly Stoffer, Mark Kestacher. We all have. Our, you know, Mark Daly was with us, and the moment he came down, Daly looks at us and goes, "You know, he was worth a billion dollars." I went, "What?" Mm-hmm. You give me seventy eight and a bill, I'm good. I mean, I've had a hell of a run. I'm, 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 I'm all in, Coach, and hey, the Good Lord and the Surf Gods and everybody else and the waves crashing up on the beach, man. We, it's been a joy, uh, and I'm tapping out. I mean, I'll, I'll take it right now. said, and think about this. That's a hell of a run. For a man who went to like six colleges, I mean,
1: literally every college in the SEC, practically everyone. I think
2: I can't remember. if He despises Auburn or loves Auburn. I can't remember. I don't know. I think they kicked him out. He
1: went to Ole Miss, Mississippi State, graduated from Southern. He graduated
2: from Southern. That's right.
1: That's where he actually got his degree from. What was up with that? It was he. But before that, he went to numerous. He was certainly an SEC guy, Jimmy Buffett made the rounds on colleges. I'm trying to scramble to look it up because it's amazing.
2: Well, while you're scrambling, so his first gig, and I didn't know this either. And again, you know, I grew up in Louisiana. My mom loves him. I mean, all my my older brother, God rest his soul, was a musician and, and was the first undergrad to conduct the UNC Symphony Orchestra. So my brother was a very talented musician. He was a big parrot head. And I can't believe none of them told me what I'm about to tell you. His first gig singing and where he got noticed was on the streets of New Orleans. He graduates from Southern Miss, goes to New Orleans, and just starts singing on street corners. Oh, wow. And that's where he got his, part of his feel and his sound, and then next thing you know, that coastal country thing just goes, it just blows up.
1: Because we could all relate to it. His music was very, I feel like it was super relatable. It just makes you want to, you know, go sitting on a beach with a corona or get on a boat or, you know, we've all been there, whether it's lake life, whatever, ocean life, all of it. Auburn, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU. Graduated from Southern Miss. Damn! How do you explain that to your parents? He stayed in though.
2: the SEC West outside parents, of Tennessee. Yeah, I'm telling you, this I mean, man loved the he SEC. He cheated. <laughs> he cheated in the East with, with the Vols, and then came back around and then switched conferences.
1: It's amazing because you would be able to then claim so many different championships. Like in any given game, gi- you really covered the spectrum there for college football. Yes. Too bad he didn't throw Ohio State into that mix. But really, you covered the spectrum. Like you've got some good years. <laughs>
3: That is
2: a, that's a heck of a run. That is
1: a heck of a and run. Think about Jimmy this. Buffett.
2: Hey, his next song, he's got one more coming out. Oh, does he? Oh, you're going to love the title. Okay. get re- oh, oh, This is perfect for the legend, the billionaire musician that we lost too early at 78. But again, right. hey, man, the gods, the football gods take me at 78 and I got a bill. Skin, I'll, I'll skin cash can- that ticket right skin now. Skin
1: cancer reportedly, go get checked. I just got something taken off my leg. Did you really? That was precancerous. Wow. You know, I'm a cancer survivor, so I'm a big. Uh, oh, no. This is this will be a PSA. This will be a PSA theme here on Amber So if you're listening right now and you need to go get your skin checked, go get it checked. You're supposed to go get it checked every single year. I haven't
2: scheduled mean? my colonoscopy yet. Last time we were on together, yeah. you yelled at me for an hour uh, yeah. during breaks. So yeah, I'm, I'm getting that done. Uh, his new song going to be released later this month appropriately called, the gummy just kicked in.
4: (laughs) Stop.
2: Dead serious. That's amazing. That's going to
1: be his last one. That's what he drops on the way out. Bam!
2: Out the door. Now, I hope that's... drop.
1: I hope that's all we get. I mean, I want more of him, but I I hope it's... In a way, I hope it's all we get. Tupac Shakur, one of my... To me, the greatest rapper who ever lived, right? I, I was diehard Tupac fan. But then after Tupac died, we got like multiple albums (laughs) because he had recorded so much. And at a certain point, I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a little much that we're like, how is this? How are we still doing all these albums? How did he make this much music that we didn't get released? So apparently Rachel just said in my ear, Jimmy Buffett does have an entire album coming out.
0: Yes, it's supposed to come out at the end of the year. So what they were doing on his own radio station was like playing a song a week. And they released a second one. you will get a kick out of this one. It's called Bubbles Up. Wow! And it's all about like, hey, live your life to the fullest. And Bubbles Up, it's don't listen to it now; it will make you cry. But like uh-huh. he ha- he does have like a whole set album set for the end of the year. Well, there, you, there go. you go.
1: Well, we are going to at least get one more album then. It sounds like from Jimmy Buffett. That's pretty cool. Some of it's magic, some of it's tragic, right? But he lived a good life all the way. That's one of those one of the I think most poignant oh, song- lines in in one of his songs. So this is Amber and Ian. And this is how Amber and Ian's going to go. But we are going to talk a lot of sports as well. We're not just going to talk about music and all other fun things. Plus, we have Ian Fitzsimmons story time later. You're not going to want to miss that. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. So coming up next, we're going to get to that sports stuff that we promised you. The NFL season hasn't even kicked off yet, but the defending champs might be in trouble. We'll get into it. ESPN Radio is on the ESPN app.
4: Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
1: There could be trouble in the world of our producer, James Steele, who almost had his heart ripped out today with those words of the Kansas City Chiefs head coach, Andy Reid, after practice today, informing us that Travis Kelsey... The second most important player, arguably, on that team. Hyper extended his knee. This is a problem, James. Your team is supposed to be playing against the Detroit Lions on Thursday. You're supposed to be all excited. The NFL season is here. It's the reigning Super Bowl champs. You guys got this? And now you're a little scared. You're a little scared.
3: I'm a little worried now. Yeah. Uh, No, I'm guessing no Kelsey. Uh, definitely no Chris Jones.
1: Dude, they're looking
2: at the, at the long haul, man. This isn't but about Detroit with Kelsey. Have, they it-
3: still have 15.
0: So It's yeah.
1: it's the long haul for both of those guys. Let's yep. be realistic. The yep. reason that Jones says that he doesn't need to show up until, what was it, week eight? is because they just need him for the postseason. I mean, that's the reality, right? They need him for the end of the, the second half, postseason. That's really what they need you to show up for. With Travis Kelsey, we're not worried about week one. So we don't have an official word. The reports apparently are that there was no like crazy damage. Yeah, the, no the ACL real is stable. Right. So that's good news. Uh, now they're saying, oh, we're going to reevaluate tomorrow and then we'll decide if he's going to go on Thursday. He ain't going on Thursday. That's
2: gamesmanship for Thursday. The number by the way dropped from six, six uh, six and a half to five and then kind of people came in Hammered the five, and now it's up to five and a half. But for a tight end to move a number at Caesars by a point and a half, that shows you to your point, Amber, Mm -hmm. how important and James to your beloved Chiffies. uh, That that is that's how important a guy is. He's he's absolutely amazing. But yeah, this is a long play. They're not going to rush him back on Thursday. They may not even rush him back week two. Mm -hmm. They want him for that long play. And to Jones's point, in order the the week eight thing, you know, as as you referenced, that's about getting that, that accrued year toward free agency. Right. So he'll be in there at, at, the, at the worst week eight. He'll be back on the field. But then what kind of condition is Chris Jones in? Because uh, you're, you're worried about soft tissue and things like that because your body hasn't been callous. Now, let's be honest. In this day and age, they're not doing a lot of contact anyway. But you are somewhat in, in – you're going to be in better football shape by being out there with your guys than not at all. So it's going to take Chris Jones three, maybe four weeks. He'll be on a snap count, maybe 15 a game early on. I'm just throwing an arbitrary number out there. Uh, if he were to come back, say, week two, it doesn't. it's going to take a, a football Hail Mary here, a miracle to get him in on the field on Thursday. Even if he were to sign tomorrow, I don't know if you'd see Chris Jones on Thursday. No,
1: I don't think you'd see him on Thursday at all. I, I do think... I still have a hard time believing that we're not going to see him till week eight because he loses something like eight and a half million dollars if he actually right. holds out until then. He's trying to hold their feet to the fire, though, and this is the way that you do it, and you certainly pretend like, hey, I've made so much money, I don't care. I don't care about all the money I'm losing. He was losing, the what it was it, $50,000 a day during training camp. Now we're going to end up missing regular season games. That dude has game a big checks. contract. He wants a bigger contract, but those game checks matter a lot when you're at Chris Jones caliber, and so it is a pretty penny that he will be losing if he does not show up until halfway through the season when it comes to Travis Kelsey you wait until the swelling goes down and you play this very safely with Kelsey now I've played this game before and James knows that I've fallen into this trap before with the Chiefs so I'm not walking into this place again where I'm like the Chiefs have no chance because they're missing one of their best pass catchers I'm not doing that I did that with Tyreek and they didn't miss a beat at all. So even though it's Kelsey They're actually
2: more explosive. Right.
1: So even though it's Kelsey, and I get that is Mahomes favorite target. That's and that should that should matter. It should matter, but it is still Patrick Mahomes. And somehow that man is going to find other targets on the field and make them look like Kelsey for a moment in time. So if I'm Kansas City, I'm not I'm not sounding the alarms yet. Now, if it was something structural and we're out for a significant period of time, I'd be worried.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've had a hyperextended knee, and that's one where you can go, if there is no structural damage, it might be three weeks, it might be six weeks. It all depends on the individual's body and recovery. Uh, James is now looking at me with a death stare, uh, but... You just never know. It's all on the individual. So look, zero I would say zero chance that we see either one of those guys on Thursday, then it's week by week for Kelsey. But I'm with you, Amber. There is no way in football hell that I'm rolling Travis Kelsey out there before he's one hundred percent because it is all about the dash for cash. And that that means You know, you get into late November, early December, that's when you're jockeying for playoff position, and that's the dash for cash, those playoff checks along with your regular season game checks. That's what the players refer to it as, and you know what? That's all that matters, especially to a team as talented as the Chiefs going, trying to go back-to-back Lombardis.
1: Dan Orlovsky, ESPN's NFL analyst, he was on Freddie and Harry, and he discussed what this injury for Travis Kelsey means for this game coming up on Thursday night.
5: Detroit has to win this game. If, if Travis doesn't play, and Detroit says if they're going to be for real, they got to win the game. Without uh, the Chiefs have three elite players. Two of them may not play, and, and I would I would be shocked. I'm not a doctor. I'd be shocked if Travis plays. I mean, to leave practice with a hyperextended knee two days before actually game day, it, it would be very uh, difficult for him to play that game. So you know, if he's not able to go, you're talking about Patrick Holmes. Patrick Mahomes throwing to guys. Uh, of the name of Noah Gray and Sky Moore and uh, MBS is obviously more proven than those guys and uh, very much so unproven player. So who does he trust? And if you're Detroit and you want to be respected and kind of viewed in the proper light, at least in your own building, and you want to match the hype, you have to go win this game.
1: There is a lot of hype around that Lions team, and I mean, a lot of people have that team winning the NFC North, and I'm never quite as high on the Lions as everyone else. I feel like the Lions were the very trendy pick going into last season, and and people are doing that. Now, I do expect them to be better. Like, I feel better about it. Last season, I was like, what is everyone talking about? Why is everyone hyping up the Lions so much? It just felt trendy to me. This season, I get it a little bit more. But I still, if I was a betting woman or a wagering woman, as you would say, Ian Fitzsimmons, I still wouldn't feel comfortable, even without Travis Kelsey, betting against this Kansas City team.
2: Well, I took the Lions at six and a half about a week ago, bought it up to seven. So I'm feeling like I got a little extra value right now. I'm I'm buying in with the Lions. Now, do I think they win the division? I think it's Green Bay that actually wins the division. I'm I'm more bullish on Green Bay than most people are. I'm I'm expecting Jordan Love to have a solid season. Not Why? great, not awful. It's a big gut. <laughs> okay. Right. And then I'm going LeRoy Jethro Gibbs old school NCIS. It's just a gut feeling. No no other reason. That's it. But when it comes to the Lions, I think they are also an 8-9 win type team and I think 9 wins wins that division. I think it's going to come down to week 16, week 17, late in the season to decide it and the one one what i'm telling you for you fantasy football freaks and i don't play fantasy football i never have i, I just don't have the patience for it and i, I and mean, redo lineups and all that stuff i i need more hours in a day be, as you would not be able
1: to navigate the technology for it there's Zero, apps see, involved here there's we an go. iphone involved for, for or a a, computer the Unless first. you went old school and like got together with your buddies and did the draft board uh, physically, but it,
2: it took you 24 minutes to take the first shot. I'm, I'm, <laughs> we all had the say. under. Well done on that, man. I guess that we were shocked that the technology jab came this late. Your
1: your wife would have to come in the room. Yes, she would have to help yes, set up the draft for yeah, you. Absolutely. Get you in to log you into the app. The ESPN uh, app, by the way, which is, of course, where you should be playing fantasy Jameer football. Jameer
2: Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs, rookie running back out of Alabama, is going to explode on the season this year for the Detroit Lions. Remember the name. Take him when you can. He's going to be a sensational player.
1: The Lions, I think, are a very interesting team because you're talking about a nine win team, but also a team that has started slow under Dan Campbell each and every time. So let's see how they actually start the season because they can't afford to start slow again like they always do. And if they're going to rise to that level of expectations that people have for Detroit at this point, then they absolutely like you just heard Dan Orlovsky say they have to capitalize on this moment where they are playing a Kansas City Chief without two of its key Players. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, how did Justin Herbert's new contract get done? We will ask the guy who made it happen.
4: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE.
0: Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. True words have never been spoken. I'm not sure beer
1: has ever broken any hearts. Now, maybe once you consume the beer, you know, there's been a thing or two that has happened that could break some. But not the beer itself, Ian Fitzsimmons Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons with you At Ian Fitz ESPN, that's how you find him. At Amber W Sports, that is how you find me. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. And we are thrilled to have on the Chargers General Manager, Tom Telesco. And Tom, thanks so much for joining us. You go way back with Ian Fitzsimmons. It is our first night together. We have just kicked off tonight. Amber and Ian, so I understand you have a lot of stories about Ian. Tell me all of them.
5: Tom? Uh, probably a couple, uh, probably, and he probably has a couple about me as well, and uh, I'm sure his brother has some stories about me as, as well since I worked with his brother way back with the Colts. So, um, yeah, you know, that, that's the way it goes when you're in this business for as long as I've been in it and, and as long as Ian's been in it. So uh, that's kind of the way it goes.
2: Well, you gave me the homework assignment for uh, Florida State LSU, and I think I failed miserably because some of the names I gave you uh, weren't on, weren't even the standouts on, on the field on on, uh, on Sunday night. What's this time like for you coming into week one an of an NFL season? Yet college football has begun, so you have your scouts on the road. You, for people who don't know, Tom Telesco. I will run into him three or four times a year personally on NFL sideline. He travels. He wants eyeballs on guys week in week out. So, what's this time of year like for you when you're trying to do two things at once?
5: Well, I think it's just a lot of multitasking, which is basically the job of a general manager. And you know, when it comes to the to the college games, we have a staff of college scouts that are out, you know, every day going to a school somewhere and then going to games on the weekends. And I rely on those guys, um, you know, to really, you know, find us players and really narrow the list down. They do a tremendous job of that. Um, and then for us, you know, the, the one different thing the last two years for us um, here in the office is having this. This really it's a bye week not having week four of the preseason. Uh, so essentially, gives everybody about two weeks to kind of get your roster set and make some adjustments. Um, it used to be you had about two or three days to get everything together. Now we've got re- really a week to get things situated both back on the roster and the practice squad, and um, you know get ready for opening day for us, which is at home against Miami. And then, you know, where I can, I'll get out to a game here or there where I can. But uh, you know most of my job right now is is uh, with with the team here in the office.
1: so that's what you're doing day to day. But I am curious, as a general manager, of a competitive team in the AFC West, what is the most challenging component? If I if I made you choose one, is it negotiating players' contracts? Is it the scouting component? Is it building out the roster, cutting down to fifty three? What is the single hardest job for a general manager?
5: I think because in between, you know, essentially it's it's a sixty nine to seventy man player roster, and we got twenty five coaches and scouting staff, equipment staff, training staff. Um, you know, video staff is just making sure everybody's on the same page. And that's essentially why probably general managers are called general managers because you're generally managing a lot of people and making sure, you know, you kind of give your vision of what you want. Let, let everybody work, um, let, let everyone do their thing. But um, there's just a lot of moving pieces on a day-to-day basis of an NFL team just because of the num- the sheer numbers of your staff and your players. So trying to keep that together together. Um, but the best part of the job is is game day. You know, we, we all work so hard in the off season and then in the regular season, week to week, to put the best team on the field, and then you get a chance to go out and uh, you know win or lose, and you see how you know how competitive you were. And if you win, great, you move on the next week. If you lose, you try and fix what what happened and moved on. But uh, you know, there's really there's no better job in the world that they get a chance to be on a team. I've been on a team every year since I was probably eight years old, and um, that never gets old for me being a part of that.
2: You're also, we know your family means a ton to you. You're a big family guy. How do you juggle family and football?
5: Well, luckily my family loves football, so that's that's <laughs> a big part of it. But it, it, it is definitely something that I've learned through the course of, of this job um, going into my 11th year, and, and I've gotten better at it. I know when I worked for the Colts, um, I became good friends with Tom Crean, who was the basketball coach at Indiana at the time. And I learned a lot from him because, you know, when he was the head coach at Indiana – I mean, that's a major job with a lot of focus um, on what you're doing. And then he was raising a family at the same time. And I got a chance to see that up close. And I know when I took this job that, uh, you know, it's going to have to be some work-life balance, uh, which is not easy in the NFL, but it's really, it's critical for everybody, not just for me, but for everybody here in the building. Um, but, uh, you know, right now I've got a, I've got two sons that are playing high school football. So Friday night, that that's where I am. And, you know, some of the best, you know, two to three hours of my week is watching them play and, um, but, uh, you know, luckily, you know, they're all a big part of this, just, uh, the way everybody in this building has to kind of operate. That's awesome.
1: Chargers general manager, Tom Telesco joining us here on Amber and Ian, one of the biggest storylines of the off season for your team was of course the extension of your quarterback, Justin Herbert, five years, 262 and a half million bucks from the team perspective, from the general manager perspective, how difficult was getting that deal done?
5: Well, I think when, when you write off all those zeros, I think, you know, the more zeros there are, the the more that complexity that goes into it. But uh, the great thing is, is both sides really want to get something done. And we both want to get something done uh, before the season started. So that's that's, uh, you know, the first thing to get through. And um, but I know for us, it's it's just, you know, having a, you know, that position, is solidified uh, moving forward for, you know, minimum, you know, seven years Um and then just from from a cap standpoint, you know, to have, have the costs um known moving forwards as we build the rest of the football team. So that was very important to get done. I think it was important for Justin too, just to get it done, get it at the back of his mind and you know move on to, to playing football. So um yeah, it was a big part of this process. Um but it worked about it as smoothly as, as you could have it, you know, throughout and uh we're glad to get that done.
2: Tom, how how much and I remember talk we we talked to you about this I think almost well damn near last year knowing that this was this was coming how much are you building a roster a year two years out knowing you're going to have to make that deal on a contract for a quarterback like you just did
5: you always have your eye on it Um, every decision you make whether it's uh sign, this is for signing any player and for drafting players is you have to have you know one eye on the short-term effects and one eye on the long-term effects and um, you know, that's part of the job of being, being a general manager to project out a year or two or even three sometimes when you've got, when you've got a quarterback like Justin, just to, see, to make sure you're building team in the appropriate way. So when you get to a certain point, um, you know, a year or two down the road, you're not in a very tough spot. So, yeah, you always have your eye on it, um, but you equally have to have your eye on the short term or how it affects the team today and how it will affect the team, say, this week against Miami. So, um, you know, short term and long range planning are all part of the job.
1: Chargers GM Tom Telesco joining us. I'm curious, you mentioned it's your 11th season coming up here. What is the most difficult contract negotiation that you've been through from the team side? Obviously, don't identify the player. But in terms of the sticking point, do you have a good story about any sort of unusual thing you've had to deal with from that perspective?
5: Oh, I've got plenty. I think we all do. I mean, it's just the way that it goes. Um, anytime you're you know, negotiating with the player um, – you know that player and that agent they just have one person to worry about, and that, that's their job, and that's the way it should be from the team standpoint, you know we also have to worry about the fifty two other players that are on the roster and how everything fits together so that's why things sometimes take some time. Um, do I have stories? I have plenty? I would never give them any out, out in public um, Come but on. It's, uh, yeah, but it's part, it's, it's, uh, it's just part of the nature of the job It's things you have to work through, um, but what we try and do here and it's easier said than done, but you just try and make sure you treat people the right way um you want to treat people the way that you'd like to be treated and even though sometimes the numbers aren't exactly um where everybody feels good about sometimes you just have to work through some things and um but uh, like it's a necessary part of the job necessary part of, of building a football team or really any professional sports team all
2: right what did bosa, very, would bosa, do? Yeah. Would, would, would bosa do go ahead tom you can tell us <laughs> what happened
5: Well, he should be. I mean, at the time, I think he was the highest paid defensive player. So um, I think he was pretty happy when he signed that contract.
2: There you go. uh, Now I'm fascinated to get your answer on this one. Amber and I were talking about this during the break, right before you came on. Division games in the first two weeks. How do you feel about them?
5: Uh hadn't even thought about it. And I mean it's really? wherever wherever they're on the schedule is where you're playing. Yeah, I hadn't even really given that much thought. So they drive me nuts. Um, <laughs> just know that, I mean, they're they're just so important. Um, but whether they're you know early, middle or late, I hadn't really thought about it making a difference. Um but uh yeah, they're they're critical, especially the division we're in, they're critical to your success.
1: Uh, You don't have to worry about it too much. Uh, You don't have a division game until week four, I believe against the Raiders. Tell me Tom, Tom Zalesko chargers, general manager joining us here and Amber and Ian. Tell me Tom about the decision to bring over Kellen Moore.
5: Uh, Yeah, we're very excited about it. I mean, actually, and it doesn't get a lot of, a lot of publicity, but we really have two new coordinators between Kellen Moore and offense and Derek Ansley and defense. So some fresh, fresh eyes, uh, new voices on both sides of the ball. Um, but, uh, you know, the last three years, I mean, it depends on whatever metrics you want to use, but we've been a top 10 offense. Uh, so it wasn't like we were doing poorly on that side of the ball. Um, but we we're looking just to take the next jump, you know, maybe attack some teams a little bit differently. And we got very lucky that Kellen became available and um, been really happy with him. He's been great to work with. I think the players like working with them. I know Brandon loves working with them and, you know, in the preseason, you um, you know Our offense kind of turned into the Naval Academy with the amount of rushing yards we had. So I don't know if that's exactly what we'll see in the regular season. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we shall see. Um, but uh, it's really been great having him here, and, and hopefully he can take us to new heights.
2: Keon Coleman, Tommy T. Keon Coleman, number four, Florida State, 6'4", 230, a beautiful human being.
5: You know, I was really relying on you for the XFL and USFL reports. I thought, but I'll, I'll take some college <laughs> reports as well. That
2: dude is a specimen. He and Johnny Wilson, uh, I, mean, I could play quarterback for that team. Are you
1: pitching yourself to be a scout here for the Chargers? I am. Is I really that what's am. Are you looking, looking to leave me right? he, first day together?
2: And he, he, Tommy knows I am. I'm a football fool. That's why I asked a division question, which again <laughs> you know, may have been a dumb question, but I can't stand division games for the first two weeks.
1: <laughs> yeah, hey, we we'll cover
2: that. Long live the surfboard, Tom. With that best of luck, man. The season's here. Can't wait to crank it up. Thank you so much for
5: joining us. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me on. Take care.
1: That, of course, the Chargers general manager joining us here on Amber and Ian, which is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next, why in the world did the Arizona Cardinals name Kyler Murray one of their captains when we don't even know when or if we're going to see him this season? ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app.
4: Splash! Shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
1: Advice the Arizona Cardinals may need is how to do right on a Saturday night. A Saturday, a Sunday, any day. probably a lot of Sundays, any day of the week, because the way things are going right now for the Arizona Cardinals leave a lot of question marks. And one of those being that Kyla Murray, who apparently we're not going to see, and then some people think, OK, well, we're not just. Not going to see him at the beginning of the season, but maybe we're not seeing him here, Ian, because the Arizona Cardinals might be tanking a little bit, might be tanking a little bit. Maybe they have a plan that doesn't involve Kyler Murray in the future. Maybe it involves somebody more like a Caleb Williams. So there's that, right? But now we've learned that they named the air quotes injured quarterback Kyler Murray as a team captain.
2: Yeah, he was scheduled to be out for a bit anyway just because at the time he tore that ACL last season. But he's not he wouldn't be able to come back in probably till what? November? Maybe?
1: I mean, it seems uh, like it, uh, the thing is by all accounts though, like yes, he actually of course but, did injure himself.
2: But when the when the Cardinals got rid of Colt McCoy, who yeah. had taken every basically every starter's rep in OTAs, mandatory mini camps, training camp and you bam you cut Colt McCoy, you sign Josh Dobbs mm-hmm. from Cleveland. You're going, all right, well, this is a telltale sign. Uh they are they're in the running for the number 1 overall pick and Caleb Williams, you might as well buy a house in, you know, in in, in Scottsdale right down the street from Charles Barkley. He will join us coming up in about half an hour um because you're going to be the next franchise quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. This smells like the Cardinals were just adding insult to injury, almost literally, with Kyler Murray. You're injured. You're not going to play. We all know you're not going to play, and we're going to go ahead and name you a captain anyway.
1: It's very bizarre to me. I don't know what to make out of this part of the story, because why? What's the purpose of this? He's out for at least the first four weeks of the season because he's on that physically unable to perform list. And yes, of course, he did actually have the ACL injury and it's a bona fide injury. But at this point going into this season, it feels like it's a, more, a lot more than that, right? Like it's not, it's not, oh, we're being so careful with our quarterback because we care oh so much about him being available to us and the future. It feels a lot like, well, actually, we care a lot more about our future away from Kyler Murray. Yeah. So why name him a captain, though, I that I said, just
2: heck with it, right? I mean, you didn't do the film work. You weren't putting in the work away from the, the from the facility with the previous regime, and we don't want you as part of this regime. This GM didn't draft him. right? This head coach didn't draft him. Nope. We got our eyes set on somebody else who's going to put in the grind at home, the extra film work, to help us win football games. That's what this feels like to me personally. So, Kyler Murray's going to be shown the door. And if I'm the Cardinals, I'm not, I'm not playing him a single down. Even if he's healthy in mid-October and has been cleared to play, I'm not going to play him because I want him healthy as trade bait.
1: Right. I mean he is. Ship a- him
2: off somewhere else. I mean, that's it. He, he, him not putting in the maybe he learns from this also. Maybe he because he has got God given talent. That's the frustrating part about this, is that he has such a unique skill set. That is so rare. He could be un- I mean, just ungodly, but they won't put the grind in at home. And that's not, that's not me saying it. This is the team putting a clause into his contract that we all heard about that he had to do so many hours of film study at home. At least put in more than the punter, Andy Lee, right? Mm-hmm. So bottom line is, to me, Arizona is sending a, a, just another little subtle message. Yeah, we'll name you a Captain Podna. We'll go right ahead. Yeah, we'll put a C on your jersey. Are you going to be, uh, you know, in street clothes on the sidelines? But you're not seeing the field. We want you 100 percent healthy. And we're going to go. Who wants him? He's fixed. He's he's all. I mean, he's ready to go. You if you want him, he's yours. Make us an offer because our guy is playing at SoCal right now.
1: I'd like to see a punter watch film. Like, I'd like I'd like to know what that's like. I, I mean, I see all these quarterbacks watch film on, like, the show Quarterback on Netflix, right? Show. Phenomenal show. Because they also show you how unbelievably hard and academic it is to play that position. Which is why you run into such problems with the Kyla Murrays of the world. The guys who allegedly don't put in the work, right? Because that position ain't just show up throw the ball or run with the football. Like that ain't it. I mean, that might've been it when you were young and that might've been it when you're in high school, maybe even some colleges, you can get away with it. Right. To some extent, but that ain't it in the league. And that show I think shines the light on that even better than maybe anything else I've ever seen. The amount of work and studying it is, it is academic. It is like getting a PhD every single week for these guys. It is so much studying first, But punter...
2: Oh, you, now one? see, you know what my brother does for a living. I mean, I'm not, I'm not not going to get drawn off sides on this. I'm keeping my hand in the dirt because a punter is watching punt rush, pump protect, you know, sure. I mean, it, 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 does this guy struggle with a right hash, left hash? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. rugby style. Yeah. So punters do watch film. I mean,
1: the quarterback laughed at the amount of film the punter watched. Uh,
2: the punter in Arizona was laughing at the, how much film the quarterback didn't watch. Right. So I'm like, I'm, I'm that to me was was interesting, and it, it's another sign. I believe it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a C, you know, meaning yeah, you can wear that Captain C, but you're out of here, why? You're Why?
1: But that's what I don't understand because I can buy the theory that they are ready to move on. Now, that's not what I would do after paying the quarterback. I actually think... They didn't
2: pay him, though. The previous regime No, no, no. Paid him. I
1: understand that. But still, the team paid him. And you're in a salary cap well, situation. if you're Mike
2: Bidwell, you have a problem. Right, yes.
1: Right. So, I mean, you're still dealing with the fact that he has been paid. And he has been paid at a high level. And the and reason it $46 pa-
2: in dead cap if you trade him next year.
1: Right. Which is crazy to me. So, and to, and to move on from a player. And it's not just, hey, we made, you know, a Trey lance size mistake. It's not that he was an offensive rookie of the year in 2019. Like we have seen numbers from Kyler Murray. We have seen talent from Kyler Murray. We forget because the last couple of years have been so tumultuous, but at the same time, the Cardinals have been tumultuous the entire time that Kyler Murray has been there in fairness to him. It's not like the staff around him has done him any favors whatsoever. So I'm surprised that frankly, that they wouldn't try to utilize that talent with the numbers that are attached right now to that talent. But I could buy it. I just don't understand the captain move if you were moving on.
2: Well, he's got till basically January or February to prove to this new regime that he is fully invested unless he also wants out. Um he he can be in that film room with you know he'll be in the quarterback room. He'll still be, you know, going over film in, at the film facility. The is he doing it at home and helping out Dobbs or whomever. That, that's a whole other question. But he's got time to prove for this new regime. He can be that franchise quarterback. He did lead them to the playoffs and had one of the worst mm-hmm. performances we've seen in the last quarter century by a quarterback in a playoff game, but he did do but it. And, there. That, and that feels like it was 15 years ago. It was two years ago.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're saying all the right things, right? They're saying, well, this is our franchise quarterback. That's why we're naming him a captain. And I feel like that they did this frankly, in a way to quiet the conversation that you and I are having right
2: now. The Caleb Williams conversation? The Caleb Williams conversation. The one that
1: everybody is alluding to. This idea that they're tanking, I think they're trying to go ahead and throw us off the scent. Coming up next, speaking of college football, let's talk about some of the upsets of the weekend.
3: Robert Half research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.